0: More than anything as moms, we want our kids to have a strong foundation of faith and an unwavering faith as they move out in the world and especially as they grow up and become adults. That's not as easy as it seems with all of the influences that they have in their life. So what's a mom to do? Well, today we're going to be talking about how to help your teens explore their faith. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Redefining Balance for Working Moms podcast. I'm so glad that you're here to hang out with me today. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Jenny Stemmerman, your host and fellow working mom, and we are in a series all about equipping you for the best school year ever. Now, we've talked a lot about routines and anxiety and academic planning and so many things, but one thing that is a bedrock that we know I know that we all want our kids to have is a strong foundation of faith. Now, if your kids are homeschooled or they're going to private school, their influences might be a little bit more controlled in this area. But if your kids are going to public school or they're just out there in the world on the internet, all of the places, there's a lot of things that could help to influence them not in the direction that you want them to go as it pertains to your faith. And you know what? We all wrestle with our faith. And so it's completely normal for our kids to do the same. But as moms, we want to be equipped to handle that. (laughs) Oh boy, I'll tell you, once your kids get a little older and they start asking some really tough questions or they have friends or peers that just maybe not be perfectly aligned with your belief systems, things get hard. And that is why I'm so blessed to have the two guests that we have on today. Yeah, two guests in one to help us navigate these waters, to help our kids explore their faith in a healthy way that helps to ensure that it is something that they're getting their questions answered, but they're also strengthening their belief in God as they develop into being the person that God has created them to. Now, in addition to these podcast episodes to help you set up a strong foundation for back to school, I do wanna remind you that we do have a course available for you. It's like less than $5 over at yourliferocks.com that you can get. And it has all kinds of journal prompts in there and checklists and just ways to help you create more balance for your kids as they go back to school. So if you're looking for, I need like the practical (laughs) step-by-step, what do I need to do to make this a great school year? You can find all of that there at yourliferocks.com. All right, friends, let's get into this interview. It's a good one. Janelle, Ingrid, welcome to the Redefining Balance podcast. I am so excited to have this conversation. I know it's going to bless so many people, including myself. And I think that this is going to be great because we are getting ready for our kids to go back into school. And, you know, when we think about going back into school, I always like to look at it from a very holistic perspective as far as physical, social, educational, and spiritual. And that's what we're going to be talking about today because spirituality is kind of one of those hard things to guide our kids through. So, but before we get into all of the great tips and information that you have for us, I would first love to just learn a little bit more about you. Janelle, can you share with our audience a little bit more about who you are?
1: Thanks. Thanks. Yes, I'd love to. Um, I am Janelle Alberts. I started writing um, spiritual pieces, maybe, you know, 10 years ago on the side, I've been a freelance writer. And prior to that, I did a lot of crisis communication. I worked for Microsoft when they were dealing with the DOJ case and then uh, worked corporate communication for UPS. So in mergers and acquisitions. So my background really focuses on kind of getting to the crux of a topic. So what you're talking about today is right up my alley. I mean, kids going back to school, marrying all of those elements, spiritual, social, material, it's right up my alley. So looking forward to talking today.
0: Oh, I think this is going to be so, so good. And Ingrid, what about you?
1: For me, and
2: again, thanks for having us, Jenny. I took my first theology class at age 45. I had a, previously, I'd been working in nutrition and in insurance, and but life had been so hard. I had so many questions for God, and I did not really know what I was going to find. And so I started, I completed a Master of Divinity degree, and then I went on and uh, continued in a PhD program. And I studied in my PhD program, uh, evil in the Hebrew text of Genesis, because I had questions. And just my my searching process has helped me so much uh, with my own family, with my son and the losses that we had. And my daughter, and um, and then just from friends and students, and it's just kind of built from there. So I'm just deeply thankful for the opportunity God has given me to share the things that He's been teaching me in my own journey.
0: I think that that's so beautiful, Ingrid, that that you really had these questions and really went seeking for answers later in life. Because today we're talking about the questions that kids have as they're younger. But I mm-hmm. love when you were sharing your part of your story. I was thinking it's it's just so proof that it's never too late? Because I feel like, you know, when we're really talking about setting our kids up for this and, and Janelle, what you said, getting to the crux of it, this is where I feel like it's the hard part of parenting because I almost feel like it's a battle for the souls of our kids against the culture and society and all of these other things. And is that the right perspective to have first and foremost? Janelle, what are your thoughts about that?
1: I think that's a fair assessment in the sense that we have to take this seriously and The only thing I feel more pressure as a parent than getting my kids to profess their faith in Christ and my home is to ensure that they're continuing to profess their faith in Christ when they leave my home. So I absolutely related to Ingrid so much about as adults, we have so many questions. So I wouldn't want to pose it like it's a fight to get this early on, but it isn't self-evident. It does take dialogue. It does take questions. So to get comfortable with engaging in those kinds of messy conversations early on is going to help everybody. But I do think if we come at it from a place of, you know, we're not defending a religion here. We're building a relationship with God. Our children are building a relationship with God. So we're not on the defense. We have real solid ground that we're standing on. And when you come from that place, it's a little bit easier to have open, honest dialogue than if you come from a place of fear. So marrying those concepts takes a little conversation, but yeah, we're on the right track.
0: Okay, good. Yeah. Because as I was preparing for this interview, I was thinking about it and I was like, wow, this, it does feel like it is a bit of a battle. But yet I know in my own experience, I was not raised in the church. I didn't come from a Christian home and I found Jesus later in life. And, in my relationship and growing in my faith, I've done a lot of wrestling with God over topics that I just don't quite understand. And the thought of leading my kids through those things that I still don't understand seems really intimidating. And Ingrid, with you kind of struggling with these things and you said, you know, you seeking after these answers and then being able to then turn that to your kids. When you went to theology school, how old were your kids at that point?
2: My son was uh, i started when my son was nine years old, so that was certainly very fitting for the the book that we wrote here and my son was struggling with a lot of things. his father had been sick since he was two, and it just we continued to go through a lot of hardships and there had been a, a murder in our family and some deaths and so he had lots of questions starting from pretty much as soon as he could talk because things just kept happening that were very, very difficult and so that kept pushing me. And my relationship with God was the thing that was tested. I love what Janelle said. We're not on the defense. We are seeking for ourselves as well as our children to have a relationship with God, to develop that enough trust that you can continue to go to God with your questions, wrestle with God. And I, I love, you had mentioned wrestling also, Jenny. I love that The whole nation of Israel is named after Jacob who wrestled with God. That's where his name came from. The one who contended, wrestled, struggled with God. And God meets us in that place in the midst of our kids' questionings, our questionings, and God can take it. God's not afraid of our questions. He's not afraid to engage with us and help us walk through those difficult questions, difficult times and places.
0: Mm, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And, you know, thinking about those that are listening and we've talked a little bit already about the different stages and, and when we might have questions for God. And I was thinking back to when my kids were younger, they're now 15 and 11, but when they were younger, they asked questions that quite frankly are not answered in the Bible. And who knows what the answer is, you know, questions about dinosaurs or why is the sky, you know, different colors and why does this work that way? And, you know, stuff that no one knows the answer to. And I, my answer would always be like, well, someday we'll get to see God and we'll get to ask him for ourselves. But how much yeah. do those kind of innocent little kid type questions kind of set the groundwork for bigger questions that might come up later in life?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's exactly where we begin. When kids from the backseat, if we're coming home from church and they ask some question, just like you were describing, where we kind of zero in on the book Because as parents, you can stumble around like you did, Jenny, have some kind of an answer. And that's a very good answer for where they are at that stage. But when they start reading the Bible themselves at 10, 11, 12, and like for Ingrid's son, who's had major happenstances in his life, and they want to know maybe a tangible, maybe what mom and dad think, maybe yeah, we don't know what the Bible says, but to the degree that we do know what the Bible says, what do we think? And like you were saying, Jenny, you had questions when you were much older and thinking, how am I going to lead my kids through this? I mean, I legitimately thought I'm going to answer my kids' questions. I love this idea of dialogue. The problem is I wasn't that good at it. And so you can have all these good ideas like, yeah, I'm going to be open to this, and we're going to create an open environment of dialogue. But I mean, we need a hand. So that's what Ingrid and I were thinking in terms of, we need some cheat sheets. I mean, we call them parent primers, but we need some brush-ups. Like, yeah, we maybe don't know what the Bible says about why is the sky blue per se, but we know something about what the Bible says. So we set the book up so when the kids come to us, they know they'll get a couple of things. They'll get a tangible They'll get um, something from the Bible. They'll get a warm welcoming from mom and dad that we actually want to talk about it. And it'll be quick, like five, 10 minutes. And it won't be awkward because we kind of walk through some Q&A so that no parent is stuck thinking, I have to be the expert here.
0: Mm, I think that that is so important because it does start to feel like a different kind of battle when your kids right. start asking <laughs> really tough questions about, right. you know, sexuality and, you know, things mm-hmm. that are happening that they see in culture or that they're learning about in school or being exposed to at school. And they bring that back and it's just like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard. <laughs> yes. You know, you think yes. about like a- answering questions Very. and then when you get asked some of those questions, you're like a deer in the headlights, like, oh my gosh, yeah. I don't even know Very. what to say to you.
1: Yeah.
0: So let me ask you this question and Ingrid, I'm going to pose this one to you because, and then I want to kind of get back to like the preteens and and kind of this open dialogue and being able for them to feel like they can come to you with any type of question. But what I've started Mm -hmm. to notice just within some of my friends and even my own son who's 15 once they get past that preteen spot, it's not so much the questions that are difficult to deal with, but it's like the applied conversation of them coming home and saying, mm-hmm. my friend at school is doing X, Y, and Z. Or I had a friend who, her daughter's in high school and came home and was talking about one of her friends who had an abortion. And mm-hmm. if she should support her friend through you know some of that experience or not. and 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 where does that fit in with our faith? And is that even okay to have that? idea. So can Ingrid, can you talk to us a little bit for anyone who's out there listening, who's walking that path of a parent that's not dealing so much with questions, but like applied conversations and how they can best deal with that?
2: Yes. And I believe that's why setting up, preparing when the children are younger, that they can come to us with any question. No question is bad. No question is wrong. It's a question. And so setting that up, being able to dialogue. And I'll preface it with, there was a place where my son turned 13 and he quit conversing with me. And I finally, I confronted him. He said, well, you know, that's just what happens that when you become a teenager. You just don't talk to your parents as much. And at the moment, I believe God gave me the, the right response. He said, you know, I think that if we keep talking to each other, things will be better. And so it was just real simple, but we just kept yeah. talking, even through the really hard things. So I think that's the first thing, is never shame the, the child or the, the teen uh, or the young adult for coming to you with questions, but say, just have that approach. Let's sit down and let's talk about it. And let's let's pray about it. Let's see what the Bible has and give them opportunity. What do you think about this? And give them opportunity to voice it also and and become... Increasingly, each of us to become increasingly more familiar with what the Bible says, but to have some tools also, know some resources to go to. And so, yeah, it's you know, questions I've I've had uh, friends, teenagers and young adults come to me with questions about sexuality and all kinds of things. And sometimes we'll just continue the conversation for months as they wrestle through, and I ask them questions, and as we say, well, let's go back and see what does the Bible say about our identity as as People made in the image of God. What does it mean? Talking about our dignity as human beings and, you know, the importance of life and the fact that everything, Jesus said, all the commandments hang on the two. Love God with all your heart, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And so just sometimes bringing them back to basics, but we don't need to give them all the answers right away. We need to be able to explore with them because sometimes we need to explore as well and hear their heart and ask them, okay, let's let's pray about this together. And then you pray about it. Let's both take a look and see what scripture has to say. And, and then again, we, we provide some resources, of course, here for some questions, but it's it's building a habit of doing these things with them, inviting them into the conversations.
0: That's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Now, Janelle, I have a question for you to kind of build on what Ingrid just shared and and kind of going back to what you had said earlier about equipping to have these types of conversations, because sometimes just the skill of of dialogue and is difficult, let alone knowing what the answer is and the right thing to say is. So one of the things that that I was kind of wondering about, because there are some things that as Christians, we believe like this is an absolute truth. Mm -hmm. But we want to be able to keep the dialogue open and allowing our kids to ask questions. How much should we be pushing absolute truths versus keeping a dialogue open and and letting them continue to seek and ask? You guys, it's back. Life Balance Methods starts a new 12-week program on September 11th, and now is the time to sign up and get ready. You'll learn the life balance system to grow in every area of your life, be more productive, and build solid routines that are the backbone of balanced living, all while keeping you focused on putting God first in your life and living in community. The 12-week program includes weekly lessons to learn the system while you live it out. Plus, I'm gonna mail you a Life Balance Planner as an extra resource to help you include the program and its principles in your everyday life. Now, these are audio lessons, which are easy to incorporate into your weekly routine and apply to your already busy life why not end the year strong and on the right note and let the next 90 days be the timeframe that helps you get organized, clear, and ready to do all that God has called you to. You'll get lessons on each area of life, including your faith, marriage, parenting, home, finances, health, career, and friends and fun. Beyond giving order to these areas of life, you'll learn the monthly, weekly, and daily process of keeping everything balanced in your own unique way. Enroll early and save. Go to yourliferocks.com and click on the programs and resources to
1: learn more. Well, that's such a good way to phrase it because when they're coming to us, like you said, they're coming even very young. They're talking about applied in terms of like, I've been told this about the Bible and my friend has blank. So which is the absolute truth, if you will? And I'll say a couple of approaches. So first of all, like we've been kind of discussing, we feel panic as parents. Oh yeah. And absolute panic. So we're saying, let's engage in a dialogue that makes us panic, essentially. And so the first thing that I wanna say, even as Ingrid was answering the previous question is, we are not in this alone. Although these are intimate conversations that we're gonna have with our kids, we don't have to expect ourselves to know how to have that dialogue just off the cuff. It's okay for us to say, well, that's something else, think about it, let's talk about it, let's say what's good. Wednesday night, you don't have lacrosse, I don't have whatever, you know, something along those lines. And then call a friend. Like we need Nathans, I said in a little snippet that I had been talking about with Ingrid. You know, in terms of David and Nathan, they had a friend who Nathan told David when he you know, needed to be kind of called out on something there's so many times that I would call Ingrid and say, I need to convey such and thus to my daughter, Abby. And Ingrid would talk with me about it because she knows Abby. She knows the trajectory of Abby. And Ingrid's committed to absolute truth. I'm committed to absolute truth. So I would just say, first of all, having a Nathan, having an Ingrid, somebody that you can practice having dialogue with even before you run it by your kids, especially if it's something really serious. And then after that, this idea of things being an either or, having an open dialogue doesn't position an either or with absolute truth. I mean, the Bible, we believe the Bible to be God-breathed. We believe the Bible to be inspiration from God. And it's set up in a way that takes conversation. So there's nothing about open dialogue that is insinuating. I have to be swayed from the originator of the material world, from the who redeems me, who is my savior, who, et cetera, et cetera, for, you know, the dignity of human life. Yeah. So I would just say that, that we can really rest on this notion that open and honest dialogue isn't undermining truth. It, in fact, is what Paul was doing when he was going into the synagogue and discussing, disputing, dialoguing. That's where Ingrid and I got this word, dialegomai, that you dialogue because you're coming from a place of truth.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's so good. I think that that's so powerful because, Ingrid, before I ask my next question, I feel like you have something you want to add. I do. Thank you for, you could probably hear my (laughs) voice. Yes, I (laughs) did. (laughs) And I can tell it was probably going to be really, really wise. So (laughs) I want to hear from
1: you.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, and I'm reminded of the, there were about five years from the time my son was 13 until he turned 18, that he went in complete rebellion against God and went against everything that he had ever been taught, learned, because he had lost his dad. His dad actually took his life after nine years of illness. And financially, mm. I had lost everything because I had trusted the wrong person in business. And so everything, it's like his whole world as a as, as a boy had fallen apart. And he just said, Mom, I think God's mad at us and he's abandoned us. And he just went as far away from God as he could. And I first, you know, the first few years, I was trying everything. I was trying the whole mother manipulation thing. Oh, don't you know you're breaking your mother's heart? You know, all those things that we try to do to try to coerce our kids into, you know, just come to church with me, you know. And finally, the Lord said, did I ever manipulate you? Did I ever coerce Hmm. you? And the Lord just brought me through a process of learning that He is at work. Whether I see it or not, my job from the time He was young And all the way through is to plant seeds and to be the representation of God and then to trust the Lord, trust that the Holy Spirit is at work, trust that the seeds planted in our kid's heart will take root and just water them and then step back because we're not going to force the seeds to grow. And so God brought me to a place of peace in the midst of my son's rebellion and to believe in my son, even when there seemed like there was nothing to believe in. And, and that, and I, there was one point where my son, he had actually moved out of the house before he was 17, dropped out of high school. I mean, it was just kind of a parent's worst nightmare, uh, drugs, all kinds of stuff. And by the way, he has said that I can say anything about his life because now it's just part of his testimony because he did come beautifully as a strong believer. And it, it was at, at that, that particular point when he stopped back home and, and uh, then he asked the question, Mom, do you believe in me? And God had done such a work in my heart, whereas previously I, I had said to God, God, there's nothing to believe in in my son. But the Lord had done such a work that I could say yes. And I know that all the things that we've been through, all the questions you have, all the things that we've wrestled with and lost, I know God is at work in your life to bring it about for good. And, and then he looked at me and said, Mom, if you believe in me, then you know me better than anyone else. Than I can I can have so I said hold on to me as I'm holding on to God so even when our kids go through the biggest struggles we need to keep our hold on God the most important thing we can do as a parent is for our faith to grow in God for us to wrestle with the hard issues so when our kids come to us we are not shaken and moved even when they ask the most difficult questions so I have you know one of my friends children's uh, children was in uh, college and there had been actually a, a group of Christians pushing them toward a lesbian lifestyle and so forth. And we spent six months, she would just call and she's a friend of mine has a question. And, you know, we just talked about it, but she ended up changing her view to what the scripture had to say and having a view of herself as as being a person of great worth and dignity in God God's eyes. And so again, I think you know, it's so important for us, First, as as parents, to wrestle with God and to make that place and be that safe place where our kids can come, and we're going to trust God that God is at work and just keep loving them, keep bringing them in. It doesn't mean being mushy love, because that context of you shall love your neighbor as, as yourself. The verse right before it says, "You shall surely rebuke your brother when he is wrong, and sometimes your children also." But don't incur sin, don't hold a grudge, don't be vengeful, but love your neighbors yourself. So even loving our kids means. Rebuking them when they're wrong, but not out of vengeance, not out of anger, but out of that love, it can be a righteous anger sometimes. But it's got to be imbued with God's love, and knowing that God is at work, and declaring, "God, you are at work in my children's lives. You will bring it to completion."
0: Mm, that is so powerful. And you know, when you said planting the seeds, and that's like our number one thing, and keeping the dialogue open while we're watering those seeds that we've planted, I think that that is. Probably the most powerful thing that I I took from all of that, Ingrid, with all of the great wisdom that you just shared. Because going back to my initial question that I had about it being a battle, I know so many times as moms, we kind of take on the world, right? Where we feel like we have to do everything all on our own, all ourselves. And when we're raising our kids and we want them to develop a spiritual relationship with Jesus, I feel like sometimes we feel like we have to do all of that and forgetting that God wants to have that part in that Mm. in forging that relationship it's not all on our shoulders so i think that that is is really so much freedom but also super duper scary Mm -hmm. and the fact that we have to sometimes trust you know the prodigal son going away and and feeding the pigs Mm -hmm. and 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 being hungry Uh, before he Mm -hmm. comes back so what advice do we do you have in for and janelle i'm going to pose this question to you as a mom to, mm-hmm. to walk that boundary of knowing when am I pushing too far? When do I need to kind of hold back a little bit more and just kind of bite my tongue and ask a question versus tell and, and kind mm-hmm. of keep that balance?
1: Well, I, my experience has been, we have tools at our disposal that we kind of don't give the credit where credit is due, like the word, for instance, I mean, and the Holy Spirit and the church body. I mean, there are places that, are, there are ways that God is reaching out for our kids that we don't even know. And actually in the book, I we quoted somebody who had said something along those lines that we have experiences with God that we can't even articulate much less, we can't even maybe understand ourselves much less articulate. I mean, that's what our kids are going through. They're experiencing God and hearing, as Ingrid was describing, These seeds are being planted. And the fact that they can't articulate it back to us isn't necessarily a good telltale sign of how it's going in the moment. So for us to kind of have more confidence in the tools at play. And one of the ways, as Ingrid and I were researching for this book, one of the ways that I was so witness to about the word is there are... we mention scholars who say some things about the bible like that the bible is there's a Yale professor that we quote saying the bible is the the place uh where the infinite value of human dignity originates and we quote a professor from Harvard who says this concept of agape love comes from Jesus and the church i mean these are people who don't even go to church and they've gleaned this kind of information from scripture. So scripture is no joke. It's a Mm. very powerful uh, tool. And so when our kids are receiving scripture, it's very powerful. So just to your point, we are not their Holy Spirit. We are on the front line, you know, answering their questions. And that's a valuable, that is ours to do. And we can do that because the heavy lifting isn't on us. But you know, it is scary. I don't know what it is after all of these centuries that we need a constant recalibration about the fact that we are not the Holy Spirit and that we are gifted the Holy Spirit and that our children are gifted the Holy Spirit. But we do. We need constant reminding of that. So we, that's, we just must, as the church, continuously remind each other of that, I guess.
0: I love it and going back to why we need Nathan's or Ingrid's. Yes.
1: <laughs> In I mean, life. can you blame me for calling up Ingrid on this? And she says you're like, I could probably parent if I had an Ingrid. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, one of the things that I wanted to
0: to ask you about going back to the book because I love the way that the book is kind of divided. I love systems. And so I feel like it's almost divided into like a very clear, no-brainer delivery method of answering questions, but also having the dialogue. So can you share with our audience a little bit about how you have designed the book and how they can really apply it to these really hard conversations? Which by the way, before I hand over that question to you guys, I just want to say thank you for doing that because it is such a hard, big world to be moving in with our kids. And, and I feel like resources like what you guys have put together have really made it easier or at least giving a path forward to be able to, to have some of these conversations without so much of the fear. So which one of you uh-huh. wants to kind of talk about um, the way that the book has been designed? Janelle, why don't you take that?
1: Okay. Um, so yeah. we broke it down, you know, like you were kind of alluding to, Jenny, it could be a million things. So we picked yeah. four. And broke it down to Bible, uh, how we got the Bible, some of the nuts and bolts of the Bible, how to read the Bible, like you were even saying earlier, Jenny. There are questions that the Bible doesn't answer. And so then how do we utilize the tool of the Bible as it was meant to be used? So there's the Bible, there's the church. What did the church initially look like? What does it look like today? Breakups, makeups, prayer, which has actually gotten the most conversation which is a little surprising to me, but and then science, science and faith. So it's broken down into these key sort of categories. And then, yeah, within each category we delve into, you know, some very tangible tidbits. And then also and as I said, we use a lot of cheat sheets, parents. So, you know, you're not expected to know this stuff. We needed some brushups, so we call it parent primers. And then so you could maybe set aside some time with your family, uh, maybe Sunday nights, maybe, you know, you know your, t- your schedule best, but suggest to the family, look, we've, we're just going to talk about some things that we maybe haven't talked about as directly before. And the parents can read the parent primer beforehand, one, two, three pages, it's fast. And come together, kids and parents together can run through some Q&A. It's not like, okay, kids, how do you feel about blank? It's very, here's a question, somebody can read it, here are some multiple choice, have some dialogue, 5, 10, 15 minutes, you're in, you're out. And yeah, so that's how it's set up. What I love about that too is
0: is that it's not, it kind of takes away some of the fear and the scariness Yes. Because it's not like, so what do you think about sexuality? You know what I right. mean? Where the kids are right. like, oh, exactly. <laughs> yes.
1: um,
0: I don't know what to say. So I love that it's it's set up in a way that allows conversation to kind of develop without putting anyone on the spot, both parent or kid. Yes. and And being able to point to direct resources if the conversation... You know, needs to go a little bit deeper. And it is, like you said, it's a good brush up for us parents too, because sometimes we might've learned something, we fully believe it, we've kind of moved on and it's not even a thought in our brain anymore, but they're still Mm -hmm. developing and it's a thought in their brains. So.
1: Absolutely. And then they don't really have permission yet to maybe ask awkward things. I mean, we want them to have permission to do that, but even like, atmosphere doesn't allow for that permission you know just as their Mm -hmm. hormones are changing just as they're in you know a little vulnerable and so the questions ask it for us all Mm -hmm. and so nobody's like oh sally's being so weird tonight it's like no we're just doing the book if somebody's annoyed they can be annoyed with the book and you know that's handy a scapegoat is kind of handy and the (laughs) right and then the other handy part is it is some tangibles but it's it also drives you away from simple answers. Like sometimes my kids would be like, can we just say Jesus? Can I just, you know, blur out Moses? Like they are, they want these to be sort of the answer. And, and that's not how the book functions. The book is, like goes into, like I was mentioning, maybe there are some questions about the Bible. And for instance, kids already by the age of third grade are reading Greek mythology. Homer is now made into uh, what they call graphic novels. So they're getting, it's sort of like a comic book. And kids can be thinking, like, wait a minute, I thought ours was the god who came home, you know, to Earth. And here's Telemachus and here's Athena. Like, I don't, I thought we were special in that one way. And it tackles that very directly. Like, here's how Greek mythology is materially different than the bible in one or two sentence it uses a scholar to do that but we of course believe this is god breathed this is divinely orchestrated but additionally saying greek mythology is the same as the bible is just wrong just from a material storyline and kind of hitting on both ends of that like we want to have an intellectually curious conversation and we also just want to put something in our pocket for if somebody bugs us about it in the back of the bus. Mm. So the, bu- you know, the book kind of helps make that happen.
0: That's so powerful to be able to have that gift to give our kids too. Because you know, when they're out there, if they're like in public school and they're you know, in the back of the bus and having those conversations and yeah. talking to friends about things, and a lot can come up. So that's really great to be able to equip them with that. Now, mm-hmm. my final question that I have for you guys before I let you go and um, Ingrid I'm going to start with you on this one what would you say is the most important recommendation that you would give a mom to who is struggling right now with a kid who's maybe asking questions or maybe they haven't handled it the best way in the past what do you feel like is the best advice to give to them to kind of bring it back online and kind of move them forward in a positive direction
2: the first thing that i think of is to not be afraid and that's you know I, we both of you have mentioned and it's as a parent when we either see kids struggling or doing or going in a direction that we know is not a place that we would want them to go from as, a, as a believer, uh, but to not be afraid and to trust that God is at work in your children's life, whether you see it or not, and then to continue to engage with your child as the opportunity. Find out what are the situations under which you, your child will talk. For my son, it was taking a ride in the car. Uh, For my daughter, it was going somewhere special and then things would open up afterwards. So finding out what are those situations where they are willing to open up and then just continue to speak. Even if they say, you know, I hate you or shut up or whatever, you know, when, when my son would say that to me, I I would say to myself, I'm being a good mom, you know, not trying to foist things on him, but just trying to create space to have those conversations. So I think that's, and then also just doing our homework uh, ourselves as well as taking our time in prayer giving our burdens to the Lord. As one of my favorite sermons ever. It said, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 20b, and read after me, I am not the Christ. So John the Baptist is <laughs> pointing to the Christ, but today, I am not the Christ. My job is to point to yes. the Savior. There he is.
0: Mm, so, so true. That's the answer to so many problems I think we face as moms. Oh my gosh. So Janelle, same question to you. What advice would you give to a mom that maybe has not been so open with dialogue and maybe has been a little bit more of like, because I said so, or this is the answer, so don't even question it anymore. How can they get back on track?
1: Yeah, mine will probably sound a lot like Ingrid's in that it's not too late. It just Mm. isn't. And I was at a school function with a bunch of moms and we were talking about something just kind of periphery, kind of like this. And they were like, I meant to talk to my kids about that. And now I didn't. And these kids were maybe 16, 17. And they said, and now it's just too late. And I just knew in my, from the tips of my, you know, to the tips of my toes, it's not too late. It's not. And for all the reasons that Ingrid said, and for all the reasons that we, have talked about today, but also God does show up. God is true. The Holy Spirit is real. So I don't know how to put that into a tip or an advice, but I guess just affirm it. And I will personally affirm all of your fear because it's just so, I don't know what it is about parenthood That reinforces Christianity is not an individual sport. I mean, that we need each other's edification to keep reminding us that in this little person's life, God is coming for them, has come for them, will continue to come for them. Yeah, that's what I would say.
0: I love it. I love that it's not too late, regardless of anything that has happened. Absolutely. I want to thank you ladies again for this amazing resource and for tackling a subject that's difficult and giving us all a resource in that. Now, if people want to get their hands on this book and start diving into it with their kids, where can they pick up a copy?
1: I mean, the best thing to do is go to Amazon, put either my name or Ingrid's name, and it'll pop up. That's the easiest way. Beautiful. And we will link to that for
0: sure in, in the show notes in the description for this podcast. And if they want to connect with you guys and maybe ask some questions or just get to know you a little bit more, where should they go for that?
1: Uh, in my case, they could just go to a Facebook, Janelle Alberts. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I, I'm on Facebook also, Ingrid Spellness Farrow. Um, mm-hmm. And Janelle, you've
1: got a website also. I do, but the best shot is Facebook, I got to say. Okay.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for again the amazing resource that you've put together and for coming on the show and sharing so much wisdom and insight and grace with our audience today. It was a pleasure to talk with you.
2: Thank you, Jenny. Appreciate it so much.
0: Hey, thanks for hanging out with me today. Just because the show is over doesn't mean we have to stop hanging out. Hit subscribe and dive into another episode or jump on over to my YouTube channel for more content to help you thrive as a working mom. Ready to get into action? You can find a number of resources at yourliferocks.com including the free weekly success planning course. Sign up for free at yourliferocks.com. Talk to you soon.